Hi, and welcome to The Rock's podcast. We are currently going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. We pray that these sermons encourage your faith. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue studying the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're making progress. We're in chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark. And as I promised, it's going to be maybe the most ugly, most beautiful story that you will ever come upon in the Gospels. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would quiet our hearts and our minds on a topic that is so serious and so important. Lord, we we have an adversary in this world, and your word says to be careful that we have an enemy that prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and we're called to resist him. But we can't resist something that we don't understand. And so this morning, we're going to get some information and some knowledge so that we could put our understanding into practice and be safe and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes um, of all time, and one I've mentioned uh, before, is about the devil. And uh, here's what it says. He says, there are two equal and opposite mistakes into which people can fall about the devil and his demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence completely, and the other is to believe but to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in in them. And so somewhere in the middle is a healthy place to be. So, you know, it's sort of impossible once we come to faith in the Lord, we believe in Jesus Christ and the word of God, the Bible. It's it's sort of impossible to, to fall into the first error of disbelieving in their existence because the Bible's pretty clear and Jesus speaks of the evil one's existence. In fact, he tells us that daily we should be uh, praying to be delivered from the evil one in the classic Lord's Prayer, right? So it's important. I, I think the only ones who, who disbelieve in the existence of the devil are the very ones under his spell. And so, yeah, we don't have that problem as uh, believers. The scriptures... They, they serve as sort of night goggles, you know, to be able to see into this world, this dark, shadowy world, the things that normally we couldn't see with the naked eye, right? I mean, he, he, the scriptures reveal things about heaven. Well, we know what's in heaven because we've got a glimpse of some thrones. We know what Jesus looks like on that throne, the rainbow, the emerald rainbow, uh, the crystal sea in front. There's a, there's a lot of things we get to see as the Bible pulls back the curtain, right? And we've even seen a place called Hades in Luke chapter 16, a place of torment and agony, which is really a description of hell. And we get to kind of look in on someone 
who's describing the place, Luke chapter 16, if you want an update there. Um, and, and so we also see uh, these magnificent beings called angels who do God's uh, bidding and fallen angels called demons who work for the, the, the grand fallen angel himself, Lucifer. And so uh, we, we get to see that and, and we're going to get to see that uh, today. Now, um, if you do believe in the Lord and the existence of uh, the devil, uh, then he expects us to have some balance, right? And so um, our lives are about the gospel. We talk about Jesus. We talk about what God's love is all about. Uh, we, our, our gaze is upon heaven. And if, hey, I want to talk to you about the Lord and all the wonderful things about him. And so we're to enjoy our families. We're supposed to be all about our father's business, about helping people, doing good deeds. This is our focus. Our focus is on Jesus Christ and not on the devil. Well, some Christians, you know, it's the enemy this, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. And they talk more about the enemy and the devil than they do Jesus Christ. And so that's what C.S. Lewis is saying. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It sort of reminds me of, I talked to a farmer in Africa on one of our trips there. And you know how much I, I don't like snakes, right? Especially this one snake that's called the two-step snake. And I said, well, what's, why did you name it the two-step snake? He says, it bites you, you get two steps. <laughs> and, I, and I suddenly started just looking around. <laughs> just like, so where do those two-steppers live? He says, listen, I'm like, oh, you must be always looking for those snakes. He says, I don't know. We've developed an eye that we always are kind of scanning without really focusing on it. We don't even, I don't even stop to think about it. But my eye is trained to see a little something over there underneath the tall grass. And, and that's sort of the idea with the scriptures. The scriptures tell us, watch out. You've got an enemy. He's out there and he can do a lot of harm. But keep your eyes on Jesus because your life is about him and the abundant life he came to give. Amen. So uh, we're going to put on some night goggles with that infrared and uh, uh, thermal imaging, if you will. And we're going to get to see what normally you couldn't see unless Jesus told us about it. And we get to see that there's no better place than Mark chapter 5. We're going to see uh, a whole legion of uh, beings and see them talk to Jesus. Jesus talks to them. We see the guy who's caught in the middle. And most of you know the story. And so you won't be disappointed because it is not boring. It is a, not a boring story at all. So let's now go to... The distant shore of the Sea of Galilee, you'll recall that Jesus last week got into a boat and said, let's go, we're going on the other side. Well, you know, they survived that furious hurricane as they were going on a mission to the other side, and now they've reached the other side to why Jesus wanted to go there in the first place, a place called Garasa. And uh, here comes the story. When they land on that <clears throat> beach, if you will, three wor worlds collide. The lower world of demonic spirits, the natural world of human experience, and the upper world, 
of God's sovereign control. So buckle your seatbelts, all right? Are you ready? Because it's going to be a doozy. Do you think the hurricane was a big deal? <laughs> oh, my. Let me show you what I mean. Now, they went across the lake, dealt with the hurricane, <laughs> and landed in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. Matthew and Luke add that he is not wearing any clothes and that he has not lived in a home for many years. Verse 4. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This is a key sentence because in the midst, this is one of four stories that are going to highlight the strength and power of Jesus, that all things come under him, whether they're hurricanes or evil forces or disease next week or even death. So that's the context here, and you're being set up there in verse 4. No one on this earth was strong enough to subdue him, but someone's standing on the beach. <laughs> All right, verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and howl and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, now we've got the occupant. First you saw the host. Verse 7, he shouts at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God to me that you won't torture me. And Luke and Matthew add, by sending me to the abyss before the appointed time. We'll talk about that. Verse 8, for Jesus had been saying, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Ooh. <laughs> Verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Interesting. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. They are now, now not in Jewish territory. It is legitimately Israel, but it's called the Decapolis, as you're about to find out. And, and that's why you have pigs there, because they're mostly Gentiles, and, and they're given over to a lot of pagan stuff. So it's kind of a different place, very dark place. So the pigs are there. <laughs> the demons beg Jesus, send us among the pigs allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man that had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told them about the pigs as well. 
because that's like the best part of the story, right? You don't leave <laughs> And about the pigs. Uh, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him go. <laughs> didn't let him. He said, go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. That word means 10 cities, all right? How much Jesus had, to, had done for him and all the people were amazed. So that's the story for reflection uh, this morning. And boy, there's a lot going on in this account that maybe falls a little bit strange on 21st century postmodern uh, westernized ears. But I'll tell you what, this story goes over a lot differently in Haiti, a lot differently. And a lot differently in a little African village where I was in Rwanda. Oh, they talk about this stuff. They deal with this kind of stuff. And I, 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 I have a theory about that, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But for our talking points this morning, for our little conversation, there are kind of intriguing twists in the story, and I'm going to use those for our four talking points. The last one, I'll, I'll lump two of them together. But note takers, uh, first we see a man comes to Jesus in a shocking condition, so abbreviated shocking condition, verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to see that Jesus okays a startling cure. Wow. Who would have ever thought that that was going to happen? Verses 6 through 13. And then the townspeople come with the most pathetic prayer that has ever been prayed. And of course, Jesus is there, and anything you're asking of Jesus, whether he's standing in the room or not, is a prayer. And so their prayer request, the townspeople, pathetic prayer, verses 14 through 17. And then finally, an unexpected answer, the new convert prays to Jesus. It's a prayer request. Hey, I want to go with you. And he is denied. Uh, that is a kind of an unexpected answer. So, note takers, shocking condition, startling cure, pathetic prayer, and unexpected answer. Now, let us focus on this beautiful incident where we're going to learn a whole lot of stuff. And so, uh, verses 1 through 5, please. Thank you. All right, so the shocking condition... <clears throat> Before the shocking condition, oh, I want you to catch the most beautiful rendezvous. What a love story, and it's your story. Hope you catch it, and it's my story. Not quite as extreme, but two things are happening here. The little tiny cry for help, and Jesus hears it, and Jesus says, I got to go to the other side. And he goes across the other side, and you see Jesus coming to a tormented soul, and you see a tormented soul coming to Jesus. And afterwards, he is no longer tormented. He's a new creation, clothed from his shame, set free from his suffering in his right God-given mind. And that, that's my story. (laughs) 
that's your story. We didn't go this extreme, some of us. Uh, but uh, it's a beautiful rendezvous. Now, now, now listen to this. You know Jesus was teaching, and he had a sense of immediacy. It says they took him as he was. He didn't go back to get anything. So this guy's crying out across. This is where he's going. He says, let's go. I got something to do. And of course, the hurricane's trying to stop that from happening because legion... Legion can figure out, oh, my son of the most high God is on his way. He's on to us, and we don't want him around here. Let's whip up a little action on the sea, right? And so, and you think I'm stretching? I'm not stretching because every commentator I've ever read says it's the same language as an exorcism on the sea. He rebukes the hurricane. You don't, why don't you just silence the wind? Oh, no, 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 no. He wants you to see... Oh, it's more than a little windstorm. It's not a coincidental squall. This one's been whipped up by somebody who does not want that man on the beach to ruin his work in Garasa. And so, uh, Garasa, as I said, so he's arrived there, and, and it's a beautiful place. I, I mean, we're, we're going to take a bus there with a hundred of you. Let me show you here. <clears throat> so Jesus says, let's go to the other side because I've got a son who's crying out faintly, but I hear him in there. And that's the thing, people. That's the thing. Not even a legion of hell can keep somebody who actually is, the, is responsible for opening his heart to all of that nonsense, right? But when, you, when a heart has a turn, not even a legion of hell can stop Jesus from getting to you. Especially when you want him to come. Amen? Oh, that's good. Wow. Already. Hold on. Some more stuff's coming. <laughs> so from Capernaum, they jet over. You know, they don't jet, but you know what I'm saying. All right. And so here's where they're at. Uh, now, let, uh, let me tell you. Oh, he knows. He's heard. He knows the gospel. He's heard it. You know how I know this? 80% of Jesus' miracles, 80% of Jesus' miracles and teachings went on from here to here, right in here. Do you know how far this is from here, land-wise? 11 miles. So let's just pretend that a miracle worker who's claiming to be God in a body is raising the dead, healing people born blind, people who've never walked are walking, and he's doing this in Pengrove, which is exactly 11 miles from this building. It is exactly 11 miles from Capernaum to Gergesa. Do you think that we would hear about it if it was happening in Pengrove, that God is in a body raising dead people and casting demons out? Oh, yeah. We would hear what's going on in Pengrove, and he heard he caught it. Yes, he's immobilized. Yes, he's out of his mind. But there's a soul in there somewhere that is crying out, God, God, help me. And what? And let me just prove my point here. And by the way, here's what the picture looks like. All right. And guess what's on? There's only one cliff that works around the whole sea. So, so you know that you know that some sites, there's question marks. This side is it's the only hill that works, all right? Guess what they find in here? Dead bones, lots of, well, not living bones, right? Sorry. <laughs> that was a, a misplaced adjective. 
not only were the bones there, they were dead. <laughs> All right, so there are tombs, right? And it goes nicely down to the sea. Here's another shot. It's not quite as impressive, but that's where the bus is behind the hill that you just saw. The water was up back in the day a little higher. And so that's something for you to picture. Now, how do I know that this guy's calling out for Jesus? Well, it's easy because the occupiers want nothing to do with Jesus because they're afraid of being tormented by him and cast out. Have you come to torture us? So they want, in fact, they say, we haven't planned this meeting. What do we have to do with you? We're doing our own business. You're doing your business. Oh, well, we didn't arrange this meeting. So they're drugged there by the guy who sees Jesus on the shore, and he's making his way. He's taking those steps, and he's getting his demonized life in front of the one who could make a difference and flails himself onto the ground in front of him like, Jesus, take it from here. That's all as I can do. But it's enough because Jesus is now going to get to the heart of the problem and start to deal with it. And so, yeah, I want you to see that because, yeah, you know, I don't know how he got infested. Is that the point? How did it happen? The point is always, how does it end? I said, how did you fall into your hole? You know, seriously, I, sometimes it's helpful to know why you got into the mess, right? For me, just climb out of the hole. You, you know, the, the end condition, right? Oh, maybe he just started, you know, just made his heart a nice little haven for all things evil. Started with the immorality, with the guys. And then lust is like, lust is a never quenchable flame. The more you feed it, the more it wants there. So you have to do zero tolerance. And back in Gurgasa, it's not zero tolerance, buddy. Oh, it's all things unspeakable. And it grew and grew and grew until every demon in the region is like, oh man, we want to use this dude, right? Because that's the whole point. And so let's talk about the condition. You know, that wasn't always infested like that, but here we are, number one. Now, I like this because I feel like the Lord is exposing the devil for who he is. He's going to show you the devil on 10, all right? But we're going to get the flavor of all things devil. And so this, these characteristics of his condition will give you an understanding of when one of his little workers comes by your area. Because number one, he's... He's a force that wants to isolate, all right? So the guy's isolated from community, from the synagogue, if there is one there. He's just isolated. He lives by himself. So, so the devil is an isolator. Oh, man. Uh, watching National Geographic, the African savanna, right? And you see what? You see a, a, a herd of antelope. And the music's happy, and they're eating their... their Grub. <laughs> Every one of them forgets and doesn't look up and strays from the group. Then the whole music changes. 
As soon as you get the antelope who goes off by himself, the music goes from happy antelope music to bum, 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 right? Because we know what's going to happen, and that's what Satan does. He isolates you. He'll cause a problem at the church or da, 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 and magnify and heat it up so that you're not a part of Christian community. You don't have Christian friends. You take walks on beaches alone, and you think that's fine because he knows that two or three gathered together, there he is. So we can't have that. So God, isolate, isolate, isolate. God is a connector. God is a restorer. God is a linker putting hands together. That's what God does. Shameful behavior. The dude's not wearing clothes. And this is what the devil does. He wants to turn you into an embarrassing laughing stock for God, the angels, the demons, and the whole world. But you're walking down the street half naked, prostituting yourself. That's shameful. This is what he does. Just sticking needles in your arms or, or getting drunk and getting behind a wheel and running somebody over. It's so shameful. Men embezzling from their, uh, their uh, companies. The boss has to go in and say, have you been stealing from me? How humiliating for the wife. It's, it's the shame. He's driving you to do things to expose you in all kinds of unspeakable, heroic label today. Immorality gets applauded around, and the devils are laughing as men and women shame themselves. God... Man, God is, is a coverer. God, God wants us, gives us dignity. Uh, he lives in the tombs. There's an attraction to death. Uh, there's just uh, anything dead. I, I, listen to this. Against human instinct and Jewish law, he's hanging out with decaying dead bodies. When there's a fascination with with with. What human instinct tells you, ooh, death, darkness, that whole genre, that's his, that's his joy. That's what he loves. That's a safe way. Last night, I was just laughing because the guy in front of me had a sweatshirt on, and, and it was like some satanic grim reaper dude with long bony fingers and, a, and a, one of those, you know, sickles, right? And, and, and he looked, and I was, it was kind of an, uh, kind of a, an uncomfortable image. And I'm like, what? Why would you want to wear that? Now, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed if you have not. I'm just saying the devil loves death and morbid obsession with killing and suicide and blood and gore and horror and death. That's his deal. He's all over that. God is about life and light and truth and peace of mind. Somebody came to me once and said, I struggle with these tremendous nightmares. Now tell me about what you read before you go to bed. <laughs> Stephen King. You do not need a psychotherapist degree for that one. I said, I got an idea. 
Why don't we start filling our mind with like psalms before you go to bed? And I guarantee you the horrendous nightmares will stop. Uh, uh, let's go further here. He's out of control. Nobody can bind him, even if they want to help him. Oh, he's not going to listen to anybody. You talk until you're blue in the face. Out of control chaos, behavior that you can't even control, that's always a sign that, that, that he's been around. All right? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And what, what really blows my mind, people, in Christian circles today, that we don't have enough sense to realize that anything that is out of control is against the spirit of the Lord that does everything decently with order, with structure, and, and with control and dignity. Anything outside of that is not from the Holy Spirit. It just is not. Show me in the Bible where somebody's out of control and saying it's because they've come under the spirit of God who himself is a spirit of self-control. Thank you. All one of you. Oh, no, 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 I know, I know, I got it. Superhuman activity, the breaking the iron and stuff. Listen, there's evil, and, and Jesus said, hey, listen, the human heart is capable of all kinds of things. He says sexual immorality, theft, murder, lying, all of that, greed, it's all in there, right? So just because somebody does something heinous doesn't mean uh, they're demon-possessed. It just means they're a sinner, but then there's the iron fetters that break, where, where Satan overplays his hand. And that's the thing. He has no self-control. And so when he does things like tell a 22-year-old to strap a bomb onto himself in the name of God and to go to a concert where there are women and children and then blow yourself up, but make sure that bomb is devised to do the most painful killing possible, and then kill 20 people in Manchester, England. It just happened. Do you think that was his idea? He had a little help from his friends. And his friends have a name. Legion. So superhuman. And then the tormenting. The torment. When you're tormented, come on. God's not a tormentor. God wants to delight us. He doesn't torment us. And then that self-destructive behavior, cutting yourself. In my life, I can't even, when I had to give myself shots for a while, when back in the day, 15 years ago, I had a little bout with cancer. But everything's cool now. I'm cancer-free and all of that. I had to give myself a shot. Barb wasn't home, right? So it took me about two hours. To, <laughs> I had the thing, right? And I had a pair of shorts on. And he said, you could just put it in your thigh. Just put it in your thigh. And I'm like, it's a shot. It'll hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> and so Barb was gone, and she was away. So I was like, I have to take this shot. So I'm holding it over. I'm sitting down, and I'm holding it over, just, just praying, God, just give me the strength to, you know? And, 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 and it fell out of my sweaty hands, and it fell into my, th my thigh, and, and, and it started going, it stuck in. It stuck in like a dart, and it was doing this. And I promise you, I almost fainted. 
I just looked at it and was like, oh, now what? <laughs> now what do I do? I guess I have to push it. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. So I don't understand that hu the human instinct tells you pain bad, avoid it. But the devil comes around and says, no, pain good. Pain good. And so today, 2,000 years later, he's still got in his black bag the cutting thing. Cut yourself. That's right here. The dude is following Legion's advice. Cut yourself. Feels good. You'll feel better. Self-destructive behavior is from hell. And this isn't a story about a psychologically, emotionally disturbed man being set free by psychotherapy. I'm happy for that when that happens. This is a story of a man infested with evil spirits whom Jesus casts out and gives him a cure through separating him from the, from the real evil that tormented him within. And so that's the condition. Now, now listen, it's an easy remedy. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And that's exactly what you see happening. He has thrown himself, there he is, He's thrown himself, he submitted himself before God, and he's resisting the devil, and now he has to flee. And that's the pattern that we follow. Let's see what happens here. So when Jesus, he sees him from a distance, falls on his face before him, uh, now the demon is manifesting. He doesn't want to be tortured before the time. Jesus is asking and uh, requesting that he come out. And then there's an exchange with what is your name? And then the pigs are there and they suggest the pigs and Jesus acquiesces and the pigs go down the cliff and they are drowned. So let's talk about this. We've seen the shocking condition and now the startling cure. Now, the host wants to be free. And I love that. But the occupants want to avoid Jesus at all costs. They want to not be tormented. Now, the negotiation begins, doesn't it? And I don't think negotiation's the right word because I don't think Jesus negotiates with terrorists like this. But, but let's put it this way. More accurately, the whining, the contesting, the begging, the groveling begins. And so here are th some things we learn here. First of all, in the Greek, the real meaning of what's going on here is they first open up with what business do we have with each other? All right. Listen, you're doing your thing. We're doing our thing. We know, according to Luke and Matthew, we know that there's an appointed time of torment for us to go to the abyss where you will judge us. We got that, but you're a little early. All right, according to your calendar, Jesus. So what do we have in common here? These are people who worship idols. They worship the occult. We're doing our business here. Leave us alone until the, he, there he's trying to reason with Jesus, just saying, uh, we're doing our thing. You're doing your thing. You've got your disciples. I've got mine. Let it be. The, the day's coming. Why, why do you have to speed this thing up? Well, 
And just so you know, Luke uses the term the abyss. Don't send us to the abyss before the appointed time. Now, here's what they're talking about. Jesus speaking, Matthew 25. Depart from me, he will say on judgment day. Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25. So say, we get that. We know we've got to go there. We're just trying to buy a little time here in this region. It's kind of nice, you know, just (laughs) leave us alone, you know? The abyss. The word abyss is used mostly in Revelation, and it describes the place where evil spirits have been kept throughout the ages, starting at the time of the flood. So 2 Peter tells us that those spirits, those demons that caused the world to be so corrupt that God had to press redo and send a flood, those specific demons were chained and put in a place called the abyss. So we know that's what they're talking about. And, and quite frankly, if you change the word abyss to hell, you, you really get the idea. There's this, it's so deep that it's like bottomless revelation. It says it's an ugly thing to think about. But in the end, when the church is raptured and removed out of harm's way, and God dumps the bowl of his judgment upon a Christ-rejecting world, the abyss is seen in Revelation as opening like a gigantic furnace with billows of black smoke. And some of these bad boys, the legion, are released to do their thing on a Christ-rejected world where the church is already out of harm's way. And so uh, that's what we get. Is Jesus turned to speak. So they outed his name. So he's like, okay, what's your name? <laughs> As if he doesn't know. And he wants everybody to know. We're not just dealing with one lone wolf terrorist. We're dealing with a lot of power because this will glorify Jesus for the reader to know, look, this isn't just like some kind of demon. This is a brigade. So he answers legion because there's a whole bunch of us. And he's kind of trying to intimidate There's legion. You think there's just one of us? There's thousands of us. A Roman legion is 6,000. So commentators say, there are thousands of them. Do they have to be 6,000? No. Two is enough to to get my attention, right? Two. Just one two is enough. I don't need it to be 2,000, but there are 2,000 pigs. So he's saying, listen, I've got all my friends here. I've got blasphemy. I've got murder. I've got rage. I've got jealousy. I've got liar. All my buddies are right here. I've got rape. They're all in here. What you want? Here we are, legion. For we are many. Now, let's talk about what they want, because it reveals a lot. First of all, it says, don't send us out of the region. Aha. Uh-huh. They like the dark, ignorant, religiously speaking, area of Paganville. They like that. They can do a lot of damage there. The people are open to them. There are no Jews there worshiping Yahweh. There's not a synagogue on every corner. Oh, they love it. Look at your text. Don't send us out of the region. You know what I like about it? And I I thought about it. If demons were thinking, where do you want to live? Do you want to do your work in the Bible Belt Or would you rather do your work in Las Vegas? (laughs) 
Same reaction, first service. <laughs> Here's all I'm saying by that. Now, now stop with the emails about, my brother lives in Las Vegas, and, and I go to, whoops, <laughs> I go to visit my brother, and when I go, I don't do, okay, no, we're not talking about that, you people. I'm talking about where would you want to go if you need a body, you need to, where you want to mess people up, that people want to be messed up. Do they all want to be messed up in the Bible? Well, yes, yeah, some of them. And yes, there's an allurement of messing up Christians, I'm sure. But man, man, what a party. There's a party going on 24-7. And any demon in his right mind would want to be on the strip, I would think. And so he's saying, don't send us out. We don't want to go to some Jewish land where can't even have pigs. You know? <laughs> think about it. The other thing, <laughs> don't send us out of the host. Why do they want a host? A demon in a body is like a thug with a gun. A demon is, in, is a non-corporal being, meaning he doesn't have a body. So he can't move things on his own. He can't destroy a life. If he wants to break somebody's face, he needs a fist. So he needs to enrage somebody enough to where he can take the fist and do the damage or take a vandal. The vandal wants a can of spray paint. Right? This, these demons, they're invisible. They go through things. They can't get at you. They need a tongue if they want to destroy a church or a person's good reputation. Then they need a tongue. So they start their lies and they start their offending and they start working on a human subject so that they can do their work through them and not necessarily possessing. A Christian cannot be possessed. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, where are you gonna have any room for some demon? Where's he gonna fit? Jesus and Satan do not, they're not roomies. They will not share. Now, can they oppress? And confuse and deceive, yeah, especially if you want it. Especially if you like playing around and you, you know, you're the kind of Christian who likes to, how far to the edge can I go without falling over? They love you. They'll help you find it. Whoops. <laughs> you know, oh, I think you found the edge. <laughs> you know, over. That's how they are. And so, yeah, they need you. They need you. How else are they gonna ruin somebody's reputation? and scar you for life by the words that come out of the mouth. They can't talk to you. They need a tongue. So don't torment us by taking our weapon away. Then they go on, and they, they, they want to go into the pigs. One commentator said, why do they want to go into the pigs? And then the commentator said, and he's pretty famous, he said, I don't know. Who would know what's going through the mind of a demon? You know? <laughs> Why do they want to go into the pigs? Well, you know, whatever reason, Jesus thinks it's uh, going to work in his plan. He does work, Romans 8, 28. He works all things together for the good of those who love God, the poor guy on the beach, and are called according to his purpose. And that would include sending a host of demons into a flock and a herd 
of pigs. And he does so. Why? That's an easy one. Oh, this is really easy. How would that guy ever know that those demons that haunted him for years were truly out of him, gone and destroyed? How would he ever know that? It'd be hard. A half an hour later, he has a flashback. Two, two nights later, he has a bad dream. How does he know? How does he know? Let me, Jesus, say, let Jesus will say, allow me to make the invisible world visible through the use of a herd of, of swine. And so he sends them in there to illustrate what's happening in a spiritual realm. And down the hill they go, and, and the guy hears it, he feels it, he sees it, and he sees, he makes the connection. The infestation here has now infestated there, and down the hill they go into the water, and they're dead. As far as we're concerned, uh, you know, Jesus said, listen, you are going to the abyss, but it, it's, there's a, a stopover, one stopover on the way there, and that would be through the pigs because it serves a purpose. Everybody knows. Everybody will know, wow, it really happened. They're gone. He does this a lot. You know, the guy who couldn't walk, right? He lays before Jesus. Jesus says, first, I want to prove something to you. So I'm going to say, I... I forgive your sins. Now, you could never know if he really did forgive sins. How would you know? But just so you know that I did forgive his sins and all the sins are washed away, I say to you, stand up and walk. So he likes to show in a material, physical, tangible, evidential way that what he's saying regarding invisible matters of the kingdom of God, which is you cannot see with the naked eye, he helps that along, and that's exactly what he's doing. So every time, what's solace? When the guy's afraid and lonely, and somebody says, oh, yeah, you really changed, I know. Yeah, we know what happens, you know, you're going to go back, or whatever. He remembers, they went out of me, I saw them go in, and down the hill, and they're dead and gone. What a comfort now in our postmodern, upside-down worlds where values have gone inside out and wrong side up. What about the pigs? What about the pigs, right? So here's what Jesus is saying, and catch this. He's saying he needed to bless a man and help a man. He's saying that one human soul is worth more than 2,000 pigs. That's what Jesus is saying. He can always make another pig. He can make another cow. He can make another dog. He can make another cat. He can make another redwood tree. He can do that. But he can never make another one of those men. He'll never make another you. Listen, God can make more trees more bees, more fleas, but he can't make more me's. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Come on. I worked on that a little bit. I used a rhyme zone, just to be honest with you. Um, listen, look, look uh, talk to me here. Listen to me. All right, you live in a world, my friend, where there is federal protection 
for a baby seal, a spotted salamander, or abalone. They're protected. Don't mess with them. But a human baby made in the image of God Almighty is not protected. Oh, it's okay. That mollusk, the mollusk, oh, that little mollusk tonight over there in Bodega Bay, that little mollusk, he can sleep easy tonight in his little mother of pearl, little, you know, capsule laded there. Oh, he can rest easy tonight. Nothing's going to happen to him. He's okay, right? But a baby cannot rest easy tonight. Not 5,000 of them today in America only. Why? Because they got in the way of a Friday night party. They got in the way of convenience. They're a form of birth control. Oh, but you go to jail, you harvest too many shells. Come on, this is a crazy mixed up world where people are offended. Christians are offended at animal sacrifices in the Old Testament and, and, and this kind of story. What about the pigs? What about the pigs, okay? They don't see the man sitting there clothed and relieved and ministered to by the action. Sad that it is. But like I said, Jesus said, I can make pigs all day long. But I can't make you. You're eternal. You're eternal and you're made in the image of God. Come on. Yeah, we love animals. And they're delicious. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Zachariah, note the counter where that is and just snip, snip. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We gotta go. Come on, you guys. I got something to do today. <laughs> Those... <laughs> fun. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported the whole story. Yeah, that must have been fun. When they came to see Jesus, everybody's coming, right? They see what's going on, and they have a request, and then the man himself has a request. So let's take a look at this. Now, if ever you wanted to have the gospel presented to you on a silver platter, you wanted to be living at Garasa during that time. Because not only do they hear the story, which is really the gospel. You know, the devil is really holding sway of an entire world. We are all under, the earth is under the sway of the evil one, 1 John chapter 5. Since the whole earth lies under his spell, as it were. And so they see a guy who was under the spell, was helpless, and he comes to Jesus Jesus, of course, is sharing a little bit. There's, there's the, the Gospels right there. And so they, they connect the dots. They see the cure. And, and, and I mean, come on, everybody knows this guy. And he's sitting there clothed, dignified. His eyes aren't bulging out of his head. They're not darting all over the place. He's not flailing and cutting. He's sitting there with a peaceful, gentle de demeanor, can you imagine the relief, right? He's sitting there with the most angelic smile you have ever seen. And they're like, where's the madman? Where's the madman? And he's sitting there and he's like, hi. 
praise the Lord. And everybody's like, right, right, right. And so check this out. So they hear the whole thing. They see the whole thing. They hear the story. And check your text out. Then the eyewitnesses are telling the crowd the whole story. And here's their reaction. Check it out with me as I read it to you. Verse 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to stay with them and to celebrate. And they were so, no, 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 follow me here, follow me here. They were so like wild, like the madman. What? What happened to the madman? Well, Jesus healed him. Look, honey, go home. Get Get the vegetables, get the fatted calf, and just prepare some bread quick. Bring it. Let's have a little, little get together. And Jesus, tell us more. And then they pleaded, oh, tell us more. And then they pleaded when they saw it all. They said, hey, listen, would you lay your hands on? I got a brother. I got a brother. Go go get the brother. Go get the brother. Right? So they pleaded, hey, we want you to stay. Can you stay just, hey, it's nighttime. Would you stay until the morning so we could have a little healing crusade? You could preach the gospel. Come on, because we just saw the power of God. We know this guy is a tourist attraction for our town. The whole world knows, right? You can't deny that a miracle of God Almighty just happened. So we plead with you. We get this. We want you. We love you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No. Here's what they said. Go away. Go away. Oh, and don't, don't be so surprised. Come on. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I know guys who were doing drugs, out womenizing, sowing their American wild oats, you know, football player and all of this, drinking and all of a sudden, suddenly got saved. He's carrying a Bible around, right? He's telling people about Jesus. He's got new light in his eyes. And everywhere he goes, now he's in the locker room and everybody's doing the locker room thing. But he's sort of quiet now and doesn't laugh at it. They say, hey, we're going to go get wasted. They go say, hey, I, I, I'd go. I, I don't drink anymore. I'll have a Diet Coke, whatever, you know. Go away. Now, you see, it's the same thing. As Christ has come on board, Christ is in here and threatens them. They're afraid. What are they afraid of? Change. People are afraid of change. I'm going to have to give up something. You know, uh, you know what, what do I have in my backyard that might go down a cliff? <laughs> you know, or what does he want me to get rid of? It's change. They're afraid. They, they, Jesus is in their face like, I'm God. And you'd have to kind of, the, the status quo is no longer acceptable. And that's why they're all... <laughs> a little concerned, and fear of change. That's why dysfunctional families go on for generations. That is why an alcoholic stays an alcoholic. That is why we keep doing the things that bring us a lot of trouble. Fear of change. We tell Jesus, no, 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 like Augustine's prayer. Lord, save me, but just not yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a little more time t- for me to be the master of my own destiny. And so they tell him to get out. And so the request number one, Jesus doesn't stay where he's not wanted. And so he gets in the boat. Saddest sentence in the Bible. Go away. They're pleading. Please, please go. Go. Just get in the boat and leave. Please. The author of life, although they've all perished. If they didn't repent, they're in, in the abyss. 
They're there. And they knew he was right there. He was right there saying, come on. And, we, and they themselves told them, told him, get out. We don't want anything to do with you. Bring too much change. Like C.S. Lewis said, he's not safe, but he's good. He's the Lord. And when he comes in, he's the Lord, right? Don't, if Jesus is knocking, my friend, answer the door. And then the guy, of course, we close up now real fast. The guy wants to go with him. Of course, he's afraid too, you know? What if they come back, you know? Uh, so he says, can I go with you? And out of gratitude and love, he loves that. I mean, can you imagine the torment that was, he was relieved from? And then he says, God, I'll follow you wherever you go. Come on. And yeah, I want to get in the boat too and be one of your disciples. I got a story. You can use me. And he grabs him by his face. My, and he says, listen to me, son. Listen to me. Garas is a dark place. And you've got a big platform here because you're famous here. Everyone knows you here. And if they see you clothed and in your right mind, speaking cogently, right? Oh, you're going to make a big impact for me here. So go home. Go to your school. Go to your Thanksgiving table. Go to your, your locker room, your classroom, because there's all, I, I need people in the place that you live. You see, everybody's always, where do I go, God? Where should I be? And, and it's where, for the most part, where you are right now. He's saying, shine for me and make an impact. <clears throat> you're going to meet his brother or his mom. His mom's going to come up to you in heaven and say, my son was the guy who had legion, <laughs> you know? But when he walked through the door and said, mom, I love you, I got down on my knees and let the Savior in because of that. You're going to meet her or, or the father or both of them or, and half the town. Why? Because he's famous and he has a platform and Jesus said, I got a job. And Jesus finds a demoniac and he leaves a missionary there. Oh, that's what Christ does. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your great love and the power of Christ that no matter what the evil one throws our way, Lord, you, you're greater, you're bigger, you're stronger. Lord, we never need to fear. We just need to stay near you and do your will, Lord. And thank you for this beautiful story. We pray that we can apply it, learn from it, and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. The 10 cities, that's a big platform. And it says he went and the people were amazed. He did a good job. But look what God gave him. You know, there's one city of the 10 that's still in Israel. The rest are all in Jordan. I think I mentioned that. But I'll tell you, look at that. You guys have a 10-city sphere of influence, right? You got 10 places that you kind of hang out, right? He wants to send you in there just to tell a story. He didn't go to Bible college. He didn't have to memorize a whole bunch of verses. He didn't have to go to Wednesday night and see the videos. <laughs> he just sent him out to tell a story, man. <laughs> What Jesus has done, all the wonderful things God has done for you. Come on, that's the missing piece for some of you. And I'll tell you what, when you start doing that, you'll have a healthy, vibrant, productive, and effective life. You just start talking, telling the story. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you bless us now as we go our way to enjoy this beautiful day that you have made. 
We rejoice and we're being glad in it, Father. Bless us. Keep us safe from the enemy, Lord. Help us to not be ignorant of his schemes and just stay close to Jesus and do your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.